Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Live Stream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Melvin Gaines, and we also welcome everyone here in our church who's with us for Sunday School. And as we get settled in and allow people online to join us, we're going to go ahead and play some music. From 2017, Marvin Winans remembers Andre Crouch. I don't know the name of the song, Arlen. I'm just going to let it play and we'll see what happens. But um, uh, it won't blow up or anything. But here we go. <laughs> here we are. Thank you for being here this morning. <laughs> Appreciate you being here. We are on the air. So it seems. <laughs> Time sneaks up on you, doesn't it? Thank you for being here. And just as a reminder for those of you online, I can't see every name that pops up, every person that pops up. So if I see your name, I'm going to try to acknowledge you. But if I don't see your name, it doesn't mean that I'm ignoring you. We appreciate you being here nonetheless. And happy Mother's Day to you. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> it's Mother's Day. Marvin Winans singing. Mr. Gaines and Delia, good morning. Good morning from sunny Florida. Warmer than it is here. By a lot. <laughs> it's only getting up to, what, 69 degrees, if that. We'll see how it goes. Thanks for being here this morning. Bishop Marvin Winans. I wasn't sure he's a bishop. Bishop. Amen. Amen. 
Nate and Marnell, good morning. I'm going to assume it's Nate and Marnell. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Happy Mother's Day. Barbie, good morning. Good morning. Roscoe, Brother Roscoe, good morning. <laughs> Lisa. Lisa, <laughs> Lisa Stallworth Johnson, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you very much. Thank you. I'll have to see. We'll see how long this goes here. Amen. Got a couple more minutes. That's exactly what saying, I Amen. Millions didn't make it, but I was. That's what I thought. Nate and Marnell, you're both together. Very good. Very good. Y'all do everything together anyway, don't you? Amen. Can't mention one without the other. That's how Lynn and I roll, so we do everything together, too. <laughs> Amen. Yes, we do. Amen. Amen. Okay. Okay. All right, that was uh, Marvin Winans uh, remembering Andre Crouch. I'm going to end it there because it's uh, um, probably will take us into another song for another five minutes. We don't want to do that. We want to save some time for Sunday school. And Greg, good morning. Thank you for being here. We got a, a pretty good complement of people online. So almost the same number of people online as we have here in the church. So that's pretty good. That's a good a good turnout so far. So we appreciate all of you being here and thank you for getting up early and getting into Sunday school because we're always going to emphasize Sunday school here. Clorinda, good morning. Yeah, Clorinda, here, here you go. See, that's what I mean. We appreciate you being here. We're always going to put emphasis on Sunday school in our church. It's important for us to spend time in the Word, get down and just go over what the Word has to say and really stay into it. And I, and I can't emphasize enough how important it is today to do that. We have a lot of people who are when you start reading A.W. Tozer and reading about how he is lamenting essentially that there are people who are ignoring God's presence, God speaking, uh, he speaks in the present, he speaks in his word, but we have to understand his word, he makes audible speaking, he's audibly speaking as well too, and there are people who are just ignoring him. And that's why it's important for us to stay focused on his word. And that has a lot to do with our Sunday school lesson today as well, too, about how we need to be very, very sensitive to the fact that we don't probably talk about it enough about how Satan's influence is really a, a real detriment to um, 
us as a group, the church, and even individually, but we'll, we'll go over that today in this particular lesson. Let's go ahead and do some announcements and make sure that we're covering that as well. Um, first of all, and thank you again, and Brother Ron, good morning. Just say hello. Um, um, please remember your tithes and offerings. We appreciate you doing that and taking care of that very uh, issue. That's our uh, worship through giving. Um, if you are mailing your tithes and offerings, please do so to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. And we appreciate that consideration. If you're coming to church today in Akron, the tithes and offerings are dropped off in a drop box in the vestibule in front of the church, on the side of the church, excuse me, um, by our entrance. And Pastor Gus will be preaching a message today about Mother's Day, I'm pretty sure, can't confirm that, but that's usually how it works. Um, and we invite you to stay online on the Akron Alliance Fellowship timeline for that uh, message as well, too. And for those of you who don't know, um, <clears throat> we have uh, uh, put a channel up on YouTube. We actually have a channel on YouTube that we've started uh, uploading uh, content that's been already recorded. Not our live messages, but just content. So we are on YouTube, and we're looking to expand upon that eventually. And uh, we've already had some people look at some of our stuff and see what's there and, uh, you know, give us, I, I would assume, the thumbs up uh, so far. But, but we are on YouTube and along with Facebook. Those are the ones that we're going to probably focus on. And eventually I'm going to um, uh, beseech upon the... Uh, executive director of our internet, uh, Arlen, to find out how to do a live broadcast on YouTube as well, too, because we have that, we will have that capability um, through Sermon.net. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that works. But uh, for now, let's let's just ease into it. We'll figure it out eventually here. But we do have a, a YouTube channel just to let everybody know as well, too. We'll still here be be here on Facebook, and we'll still stay here as long as they'll have us. So we'll, we'll look at it that way. Okay, uh, with that in mind, thank you so much for being here this morning, this Mother's Day. We appreciate you being here. We are going to get into the Word now and get into the continuation of our study in the book of John, chapter 11. Um, we're going to be covering verses 45 through 57. This is, you would think that this is like kind of a nondescript chapter, a section of the John chapter 11. It's really the aftermath of Lazarus coming forth from the grave. And, but we need to see some things here within this particular section. And this is, of course, one of the, the climaxes of the uh, crucial event in Jerusalem. This is where Jesus is and where he is ministering. And remember, all the people were gathered there uh, in that area to uh, uh, mourn the passing of Lazarus. And this was after the fourth day of him being dead and the conversations that were being had already with Mary and Martha and, and the challenge to their faith as to what was going to be taking place. And this was the one thing that Jesus was going to do to show everyone that he indeed was um, the Messiah, the one who was chosen by God to come down and, and be obedient to his will and give his life, uh, eventually give his life on the cross. But he had to show all these things before that would take place. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into this lesson and just plot into it here, and we will do so with a word of prayer. Amen? Amen. 
Father, thank you for this time that you have given to us to study your word. Look at what your word has to say. Lord, we now thank you again for the presence of the Holy Spirit to help us interpret what's being said. And Lord, not my words being used, but the words of the Spirit. Um, By myself, I'm inadequate, but Lord, with you, I can speak your truth. And I thank you for all that you're doing in our lives to remind us of the importance of recognizing that we do have an enemy. We have an enemy that we need to combat. We have an enemy where we need to sometimes just take a stand with the full armor of God. And we need to recognize that he is always active in finding ways to derail, to impede, to hinder the movement of God's word. But Lord, you are much greater than what he is. So, Lord, we have to decide as a people, do we listen to you or do we listen to him? We thank you for the choice that's favorable, where we always want to be in fellowship with you in all things that we do. Bless us, Lord, and keep us. We thank you and give you all praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 45 through 57. This study is something that's very important for us to look at. And it's something that is really going to call to attention how. I mentioned A.W. Tozer earlier, and I'm reading The Pursuit of God over again. I've read it before. But one thing that really struck me in his text, I believe it's in chapter 6, but his text is talking about how God is speaking all the time. God is communicating with his people all the time. We have his word that's in front of us all the time. But he also is audibly speaking. And let's think about how we came, became believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We may have heard, and, and this is kind of paraphrasing what he said, we may have heard something coming from him, um, not really sure what it was at first, then we may have heard another, uh, a slightly stronger voice, but still not as intelligible or audible. But when you believed in the Lord, when you trusted in him, when you decided to take a step and find out more about what he was saying, that voice becomes clearer and clearer to where now you really have a desire and a hunger to hear what God's word is and what he has to say to you. That's a choice that every single believer has to make. You have to make that choice because you understand there are people out there who are alive today who have heard those same things or tried to hear those things, but then they ignore them. It's not important to them. Whatever they're doing, however they're living their lives, whatever they're involved in is much more important than listening to what God's voice is. The reason why I'm mentioning all of this is that if you look at this passage, I'm going to read through John chapter 11, verses 45 through 57, and I want you to see some things that are going to reflect that very thing. So let's start with verse 45, John chapter 11. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Please follow along in your version. Verse 45, Therefore many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did believed in him. What are we talking about? Lazarus being coming forth from the tomb. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And I need to add something here too, and just as a personal note too, we also have to recognize the Sadducees were there too. But that's something we'll talk about afterward. 
the Pharisees, went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Verse 47, So the chief priests and the Pharisees convened in the Sanhedrin and said, What are we going to do since this man does many signs? Verse 48, If we let him continue in this way, everyone will believe in him. Then the Romans will come and remove both our place and our nation. Verse 49, one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. You're not considering that it is to your advantage that one man should die for the people rather than the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation and not for the nation only, but also to unite the scattered children of God. So from that day on, they plotted to kill him. Verse 54, Therefore Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but departed from there to the countryside near the wilderness, to a town called Ephraim. And he stayed there with the disciples. Verse 55, The Jewish Passover was near, and many went up to Jerusalem from the country to purify themselves, before the Passover. They were looking for Jesus and asking one another as they stood in the temple complex, what do you think? He won't come to the festival, will he? The chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it so they could arrest him. Okay, that's John chapter 11, verses 45 through 57. And understand that this is essentially the act of of Lazarus coming from uh, the tomb, being uh, raised from the dead through the tomb, was his last public uh, miracle that was being witnessed and effectively was the end of what we would see prior to him going to the cross because of the fact of what we're reading here in the passages afterward about now they're going to try to find a way to arrest him and kill him. And it really didn't matter what he had done, yeah, I mean, go back, to, <laughs> go back to verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did believed in him, believed in Jesus, believed in what, who he was and what he was doing. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Now, who were these people that went to the Pharisees? Who were the ones that did that? Well, they were, I don't know if they were just trying to, you know, kind of brag about who Jesus was and the fact that they were really not the authority that they thought they were. Um, but the bottom line was that they went and communicated to them. And, you know, that they, the Pharisees were there. And I just want to make sure that I mention to you that um, it's interesting to look at Caiaphas in this particular text as well because there was an influence here that they were concerned about. The Pharisees... And I'll, I'll mention the Sadducees. They were also there as well, too. Um, back to verse 47. What are we going to do to do since this man does many signs? So the miracle was unmistakable. Very clear what he had done. They all knew exactly what Jesus had done. But look how it didn't matter. Look how it didn't matter. Rather than making a decision to say, I'm going to worship Jesus, I'm going to worship him. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to learn more about him. Where you talk about a voice from God, very loud. 
by based upon what he had done. But just like we can do it, they did the same thing. You can ignore all the signs. You can ignore all the things that Jesus has done, has said what he is going to do. You can ignore those things and just keep going forward personally and they don't care about and not care about anything other than yourself. And Satan is in the midst of all this communication that's taking place right here. You better believe it. Satan knows what's at stake. Satan knows exactly what's at stake here. And he is doing whatever he can to provide influence. But I want you to hear something and see something here that's very important. Because this all comes down to, you know, John pointing out the deity of, God, of the Father here. The deity of God. The deity of Jesus Christ. And it's one thing to be skeptical, but these people here that we're talking about refused to believe. They refused to believe. Go back to verse 48. If we let him continue in this way, everyone will believe in him. Now, they, they're telling us flat out, if we let him continue in this way, everyone will believe in him. And a lot were believing in him. But look at what they're concerned about. Then the Romans will come and remove both our place and our nation. The issue here, they were concerned because you have to understand the Romans were allowing the Jews to live and exist in that area provided that they didn't create, create a ruckus. Provided that they didn't create distractions or do things that would be disruptive as far as they were concerned. And the concern that they had was that as long as Jesus was around, they would consider overrunning the Jews and wiping them out and just taking over and not allowing them to have any sort of authority or any sort of uh, headship over the nation of, uh, of Israel or, the, or of the people who are existing there. So, Caiaphas, yeah, that's what it says. If we let him continue this way, everyone will believe in him. Then the Romans will come and remove both our place and our nation. Now look at verse 49. One of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, the priesthoods usually shifted uh, in authority. That particular, that particular there, Caiaphas year, Caiaphas, who is the high priest, meant he had authority over the priests. He said to them, "You know nothing at all." So he said that you're not considering that it is to your advantage that one man should die for the people, rather than the whole nation perish. So what he did, he spoke words that were true. And how is were they true? John tells us. Look at verse 51. He did not say this on his own. Stop right there. This wasn't something that came out of the guts of Caiaphas to say just randomly. 
Who do you think gave him these words? The Lord gave him the words to prophesy. Now, understand something. How is the Lord giving the words of prophecy to someone who clearly is evil and not following the Lord? Well, he did the same thing with other prophets. They were capable of speaking prophecy as well too, but they were still evil. So Naaman was one of them. You have to understand that, that God speaks and handles and does what He does. He uses all people to proclaim truth, whether they know it or not. And Caiaphas was doing something that he didn't realize what he was doing, but what he was trying to do was that he was trying to tell them, look, you don't have to worry about a revolt by the Romans coming in to wipe us out. Just put this man up for death and that way that will take care of that issue. But I want to re remind you of what it says here in verse 51. He did not say this on his own, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation and not for the nation only, but also to unite the scattered children of God. What we have to remember here is that there is a lot of a future events taking place here where the church is going to be scattered. Amen? There are going to be people moved all over the place because of persecution. And I want you to look at a passage. Go to John, go back to John chapter 10, verse 16. John chapter 10, verse 16. It's in the section about the Good Shepherd. We read this before, but I want you to see something that's very important about how Jesus knows everything about what He's going to be doing here in this whole process. Verse 16, But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to My voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. Who are these other sheep that are not part of what we're referring to here? We're referring to the Gentiles. We're referring to everybody who is outside of the Jewish people. And we will be one flock, one shepherd. Other sheep that are not from this sheep pen, I must bring them also. Caiaphas is making a statement that affirms this. Jesus is going to die, not just for the Jewish people, but for all people who choose to follow Him. All people. So we read verse 52, and not for the nation only, but also to unite the scattered children of God. Would you say we're a scattered group of people? We're a scattered children of God, especially today. Not all the churches that we know about are churches that are truly following Jesus. There are churches that are not following Jesus. It's like a social club. Might as well be a social club. And there's all kinds of doctrines being taught in different churches. I won't, listen, we, we've talked about that enough and we know about it enough that it's happening today. It's very evident. We've seen evidence of that. And I truly believe that we as a church, when I say we as a church, this church and other churches like us are a remnant. We are the remnant. We're scattered, but we're the remnant. We're the ones that are truly following the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And the reason why I say that is because Satan's influence is very busy in a lot of different areas. It's always been busy. It's been going on ever since Adam and Eve. We don't talk about it enough. But we have to recognize that we have to always be... We're literally in a war, spiritual warfare... We have to make sure that we're always putting on the armor of God, no matter what we're involved in and what we're doing. And like our Pastor Gus has said too, sometimes you just have to stand for a while while the arrows and everything else, the fiery arrows are coming at you. Just take a stand so that you don't lose ground. How do you keep your ground? Be obedient to the Father. Stay in the Word. Stay focused on listening to Him. Letting the Spirit lead in everything you do. That's how you take a stand and keep moving forward. And be ready to speak the truth about the gospel when you are approached. And sometimes speak the truth about the gospel even when they're not asking you. Because we need more of that. Satan wants to derail every believer from being effective in the gospel. So it really does come down to who you're listening to. You know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which, by the way, they hated each other. Sadducees, the Sadducees did not believe that there was any possibility of anyone having miracles or creating miracles. They were diametrically opposed to the Pharisees, but guess what? They got together on this one this is almost like Democrats and Republicans working together for the common good. Because <laughs> they were literally were that diametrically opposed in their, in their faith practices. But the one thing they did realize is that, hey, if we don't do something, we're going to lose our authority either by a Roman invasion coming in and wiping them out and taking over. And so... Sadducees are not mentioned here, but when I did other research, they were there. They were involved in this as well, too. And that's why, verse 53, so from that day on, they plotted to kill him. Now, we know that there were other encounters that Jesus had had with them where they were picking up stones to throw at him. And that, that happened on three other occasions here further back in the text. We know about that. And that, and that involved just their encounters with where he was speaking the truth about who he was. John chapter 8, verse 58, I, I am. Uh, when he says he's the great I am, he was the I am. And they tried to throw rocks at him at that point. He escaped then. And there was other points as well, too. And he had always had, and the Sadducees just wanted to continue to deny the fact that Jesus was bringing people back from the dead and restoring them to where they were before. This was a third such occurrence. Little girl was raised, a guy who was in the casket, he touched the casket and he was raised and they got, he got up from the casket. You can see what Jesus is doing, but you can still make a choice. I don't care. I really don't care what he's doing. This man is messing with our authority. This man is challenging us by his actions, more and more people are believing in him. They can see that. The Pharisees can see it. The Sadducees can see it. 
So they plotted to kill him. They were concerned that the religious leaders would lash out against all of them. And understand something, this last event, Lazarus coming forth from the tomb, it created quite a stir, quite a disturbance. A disturbance by the standards of the Pharisees. A lot of people just chose to believe in Jesus. What's going to stop him if we allow him to keep on doing what he's doing? How is it that when people are confronted point blank with the power of Jesus, they still refuse to believe? Point blank. In your face. You almost, maybe it's not a fair question for us as believers because we, we had to make a decision to say we believe based upon what? The Word, God speaking to us, giving us information, helping us to know that we couldn't do it. We can't live without Him. But there are people who have continued to live today in such a manner they don't care what Jesus represents. They don't care to acknowledge His miracles. They don't care to acknowledge what He has done. you know why? They're hardened with pride. Pride. When you're prideful, you can be a fool for yourself. Pridefulness is the very nature of how Satan gets people to just rise up and do the most unconscionable things and live in such a manner where it doesn't really matter who Jesus is. They're just going to keep doing it. And rather than say, okay, let's worship him, they decide to say, the Pharisees, let's, let's kill him. Let's take him out. Now, of course, we know that God in his wisdom knew that all of this was going to take place. He knew the hearts of every person involved there. He knew, knows the hearts of everyone involved. He knew the hearts of every single person who spoke up about Jesus for him and the ones who spoke up against him. And in his infinite wisdom, it is infinite, he knew that Jesus would go to the cross because of these very people because of the influence of Satan and pride. The Jewish leaders knew that if they didn't stop Jesus, the Romans were going to get him. So we understand that. And Caiaphas was used by God to explain Jesus' death, even though Caiaphas really didn't know what he was doing. The only reason why he had influence at that time because he was appointed to be high priest at that time. So all, everybody listened to him. He was the authority of the priests. Coincidence? I don't think so. You have to understand, God knows everything that's going to take place. See, if you just stop and think about how God knew, when we talk about back in Genesis chapter 3, that we would need a Savior. What does that tell you? 
He knows all about who we are. He knew that Adam and Eve would transgress against him, be disobedient. He knows the hearts of every person. And it's interesting. He knows all about us. He knows what we are doing at all times. It's funny how people who are in sin are in denial. Thinking that they can do stuff in secret. Ha! Ah, in secret? You can't do nothing in secret. Nothing in secret. You don't think God sees what you're doing or thinking about? And such a thought should overwhelm most of us and say, Lord, there's nothing I can do that you don't know about. Nothing. If he knows how to speak through Caiaphas at a key moment, a key time in history, about what's going to happen to Jesus Christ, you certainly have to understand that He's in control of the events taking place here, which is what I've said before in previous lessons here. God is in complete control of this whole process. And in the book of John, Jesus Christ was being revealed. He was revealing himself to all the people when he came on the scene through the first 11 chapters of this book. And this is what we need to understand here too. But you'll notice that in the Gospels, a lot of time is spent on the last few moments of his life. Because that part is important. We're going to be getting to that now as we continue the study. The culmination of all the ways that he revealed himself as Lord, as the Messiah, as the Chosen One, was when Lazarus was raised from the dead. And why did he do this? Why was this being done? Jump ahead to John chapter 20. I want you to look at a passage we're going to be getting to later on in our study. John gives us the skinny here as to what exactly this is all about. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. The heading in my Bible actually says the purpose of this gospel. And John in his writing style is a great, he gives these great preludes as he writes his letters. And then he puts this at the back end in his gospel. Jesus, verse 30, John chapter 20. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written, the ones that you just read or are going to be reading, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The consequence here is that if you believe in Jesus, you're going to have eternal life. Plain and simple. That's the reason why John is writing this. That's the reason why John is communicating this. That's why the, one of the reasons why John made it a point to communicate in uh, the verse about Caiaphas's role in all of this. He has a role in this too, to reveal 
through the death of Jesus, that by believing in Him, it means eternal life for the one who believes. All the ones who are scattered. So, it's important for us to see that. And it's important for us to remember how even John set up from the very beginning in John chapter 1. Why is the Bible so important? Why am I emphasizing the importance of reading the Bible? Because the Bible is the living Word of Jesus. Verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The emphasis is here. The emphasis is here to look at this very thing. And then verse 14, John chapter 1, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we recognize that this book, what we're reading, how it is is important for us to stay in the Word. Why have we been talking about Bible plans, two-year Bible plan for our church, reading the Bible. Staying in the Word is critical in the age where we know that Satan is doing everything he can to stop you. To hinder you. And those who are ignorant of God's Word face being hindered or rendered ineffective because of what Satan is doing. So we need to understand that for what it truly is. You have to be in the Word. Even when miracles are taking place and those things are real, you can't ignore that what happened, but you can do something about it if you're diabolical. Just take Him out, right? Take Jesus out. Now, important thing for us to see here too, it's pointed out here, there are 89 chapters in the four Gospels. J. Vernon McGee says this. Four of these chapters cover the first 30 years of the life of Jesus and 85 chapters the last three years of his life. Of those 85 chapters, 27 deal with the last eight days of his life. That's what I was mentioning. So one-third of the gospel records deal with the last few days and place the emphasis on what? His death and his resurrection. First of all, we need to see that Jesus indeed had power over death because he could restore people, as we read about. But now we're going to see something that comes up where the resurrection, his own death, was overcome. And how important that is for us. Everybody, please understand something. If Jesus had died just like anybody else and was never resurrected, there's no reason for us to be here in church today talking about the power of God. If God could not overcome death on his own, game over. It's game over. No reason to be here having a conversation about it. So, we need to see that Jesus could overcome death and restore people to life. But we also are going to need to see 
that we're not representing the gospel properly if we don't talk about his death and resurrection. Resurrection. Have to have that. It's important for us to understand how that represents the entire gospel. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. I love headings in Bibles because it tells you exactly what you're getting ready to read sometimes. And the heading in my Bible says, Resurrection Essential to the Gospel. Didn't plan that. That's just how it worked out. But look what it says in verse 1. 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. This is the Christian Standard Bible Version. Please follow along in yours. Verse 1. Now, I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve. I just read part of verse 5, but that's, what, that's 1 through 4, essentially. But look at what it says about the Scriptures. God knows exactly what is going to take place before it happened, and it's reiterated after it happened. According to the Scriptures, how important is it for us to be in the Word? It's off the charts important. And those who choose not to believe are deciding, I don't want any of this. I would much rather live my life, I would much rather live honestly under the delusion of Satan. Has Satan not deluded millions of people to live for themselves and worship themselves? Because essentially, we all have to worship something. It's in our very being. It's in our soul. The Holy Spirit fills a hole in our soul. <laughs> that has to be filled by something. And if you choose not to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, if you choose to live for yourself, you're worshiping yourself. It doesn't matter if you want to call that person an atheist. It doesn't matter if you want to call that person an agnostic. It doesn't matter. They're worshiping something other than Jesus. You don't have to go too far today in the world to know that people are truly doing what they want to do. They're living the way they want to live. They're making choices to live that are contrary to how God intends it for them to live. And I won't get into all of that because we already know what I'm talking about. Because they believe how they're living is much more important than what anybody else is doing. 
Never mind the idea, well, you have to accept me too, just the way I am. And I'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you. I'll love you as Christ loves all people, but I'll pray for you. And so that's the other thing we have to come back to as well, too. We need to be in the Word to even be able to combat and deal with the stuff that we see that goes on in the world today. We need to talk about the resurrection. And Paul said it later on as well, too, in the Scripture, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In other words, I don't know anything else, but the most important thing I know is that Jesus died for us. He was crucified. And because of Him we live. That's in 1 Corinthians 2 too. I paraphrase that a little bit. But that's what that is. You would think that bringing somebody back from the dead as Jesus did with Lazarus, would have been convincing beyond a doubt. Didn't matter. Did not matter. Go to Luke chapter 16. Luke 16. You might, some of you might know where I'm going with this. Luke chapter 16. Let's see, Luke, yeah, Luke 16, verse 30, well, let, me, let me pick the verse first. Well, let's go ahead, you know what, I'm going to read verse 24. Let's take it all the way down. Of course, this is the rich man who is in torment. And I love how the word represents exactly what we need to see here. Verse 24, Luke chapter 16. Father Abraham, he called out, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, different Lazarus, by the way, send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this flame. It's pretty hot. If the tip of water, if water on the tip of a finger to cool the tongue, you're pretty hot. You're in agony. Verse 25, Son, Abraham said, Remember that during your life you received your good things just as Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here while you are in agony. Besides all this, a great chasm has been fixed between us and you so that those who want to pass over from here to you cannot, neither can those from the cross, from there, cross over to us. Setting the stage for what happens between those who are in torment and those who are in paradise, you can see the other side. A greater wanting taking place there. Verse 27, Father, he said, Then I beg you to send him to my father's house because I have five brothers to warn them so that they won't also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. Yeah, Moses and the prophets. No, Father Abraham, just keep listening to this guy. He's already got his fate. He's already where he's at for a reason. Because it's always, no, no, no. 
No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. But he told him, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. They weren't persuaded when the three other people were rose from the dead. When Lazarus was raised from the tomb. And they weren't persuaded. The people today aren't persuaded because Jesus gave his life for us and rose from the dead. They won't be persuaded. They will not be persuaded. That's satanic influence. That's the influence that we are dealing with in today's world. The problem is not the lack of evidence. The problem is the unbelief of man. The unbelief. And closing out the passage here, because we need to understand that Jesus had to go into hiding. Jesus no longer, verse 54, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but departed from there to the countryside near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim. He stayed there with the disciples. The Jewish Passover was near, and many went up to Jerusalem from the country to purify themselves before the Passover. They were looking for Jesus and asking one another as they stood in the temple complex, what do you think? He won't come to the festival, will he? They know what's going on. The chief priests and Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it so they could arrest him. He was a marked man. Any, any public display. But understand something. He retreated to the wilderness. What? Because it wasn't his time yet. He knew that. He knew that it wasn't his time yet. He knew that he would... The time would not be until such time when... He was betrayed by Judas. And we'll be reading about that more as we go into the passage. But I want you to see how important it is for us to recognize that people see stuff all the time that speaks about who God is and where he is. But people have to choose to not listen. So what does this mean for us? Please, please, please pray for your relatives, your friends, your neighbors, the people who do not know Jesus. That, that stronghold that's holding them is broken through. But understand something. God can do anything. He can break through those strongholds, but it has to do with what? What you believe. What you think. What a person thinks. All the evidence in the world. And we have people who choose to not live or believe in Jesus. Now you know how to pray. Now you know what to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your teaching and your reminder. We do have a powerful enemy, but Lord, if we trust and believe in you, we know that you can help us to resist any influence by Satan. May we always remain obedient to your word. May we always be remain, remain focused on the importance of staying obedient to your word. May we always trust your word. It's when we're disobedient that Satan gets a foothold in our lives. 
and it can go bad from there. Lord, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for giving us the desire to listen to you and your word. We thank you for allowing us to hear your voice as you speak. Lord, may we continue to pray earnestly that we indeed stay humble so that we don't stumble. Bless us and keep us, Lord. We give you thanks and praise. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for this edition of joining us for this edition of Livestream Sunday School. Went a little bit long today, but I guess the Spirit had to go do His thing. So <laughs> we appreciate you being here. God bless you all. Stay tuned online in the timeline for the message for Akron Alliance Fellowship. We appreciate you being here. God bless you, and we will see you next time.